Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. want to share some thoughts around your giving. I was so touched by the thoughts the Holy Spirit gave me to share with you last Sunday in receiving and praying over your financial gifts that I was so inspired to do a whole teaching on this very subject and highlight the principle of giving and receiving within the context of covenant relationship. Let me repeat once again some of the words I said last Sunday for the benefit of those who might not have been with us last week. Your giving enables and gives us a voice of authority in this ministry to speak and proclaim boldly the truths of God's word. It also frees our hands to embrace people and to love them not only through words, but also through deeds and personal visits as you make it possible for us to go. There's a beautiful verse of scripture in Psalm 86 81 rather than, and verse 6 that says, this is the scripture which the Lord has spoken to me when I called Stephen into the ministry. And the Lord spoke these words to my spirit saying, I removed his shoulder from the burden, his hands were freed from the baskets. What a beautiful verse. That's when We received him on board as part of the ministry team, removing his shoulder from the burden of the responsibilities of working in an environment that was so stressful and so demanding that did not give him the freedom nor the opportunity that he would have liked to spend in the Word of God, study the Word of God, and teach the Word of God. And this is the verse that the Lord used to speak to my heart. Also, in relation to your giving, your giving gives wings to our feet to go where we have not been before and stretch the boundaries of our influence in Christ within the nations. And that speaks volumes because we can go and as we go, you go with us. And every soul that was that is touched and blessed and ministered to and encouraged through our ministry and the reward that this ministry receives, you share equally in the grace and in the reward, just as though you were with us when we went to preach the gospel. And also you need to remember that 
This is one of the ways and means that God uses to support his ministers, the ministers of the gospel. It puts food on our table, clothes on our back, roof over our heads. But most of all, listen to this. It communicates your love and the deep concern you carry in your heart for this ministry and for the people who labor in the word and in prayer. Having said that, let us read the words of Paul because this is where my teaching comes from, which he wrote from prison to one of his most beloved churches in regards to this principle that I'm sharing with you today. And we're going to read from Philippians chapter 4, beginning with verse 10 right through to verse 20. This is what Paul says to the Philippians. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I speak, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the thing sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us look at the reasons for Paul's rejoicing in verse 10. He says, I rejoice greatly. It's important to notice that Paul's address to this church in the above verses we just read, was not done from a platform of need because he said, I do not speak in regard to need, for I have learned to be content in whatever state I am find myself in. So he wasn't speaking from a platform of need, but he was speaking from a platform of a wonderful covenant relationship that he shared with his people. Paul had a beautiful covenant relationship of giving and receiving with the church in Philippi. 
Notice the word Paul uses in his epistle to this particular church. He says he does not say this to any other church, but to this church he says it. For you, he says in Philippians 1 verse 5 from the New Living Translation, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. They have walked with Paul a journey. They have been with him all the step of the way, not just with their prayers and their words, but they have been with him with their giving and their substance. And then he says, and I am certain that God who began a good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. In verse 7 of the same chapter, he says this, So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. And then he ends in, in Philippians 4, verse 1, he says this, Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Notice the heart of this apostle. Notice the words that he carefully chooses to describe these people and to describe the wonderful relationship he shares with them. I mean, this is unique. This is very, very special. He says, it is right that I should feel this way as I do about all of you because you have a special place in my heart. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Jesus Christ. And then he uses the words, my beloved and long for brethren, my joy and my crown. I mean, you stop and, and think about these words and meditate on these words and your heart will be filled with the understanding and the compassion that Paul had for this group of people. They were very special people. They shared a very special relationship. And it was a relationship of not just receiving from Paul, but it was a relationship of giving and receiving. Giving and receiving. And that's what a covenant relationship is. It's not a one-sided thing where you receive. You need to understand that. If this is going to work for you, if the promises are going to work for you, you need to understand that a covenant relationship is not based on you just receiving. It's based on receiving and giving. Now, the, co the cause of Paul's great rejoicing was twofold. First, he rejoiced not because he received a gift from them, but because their love and their care for him grew and flourished. That's important to note. Their gift communicated to Paul something that was much more precious, I believe, than material things. 
That's why my message is entitled More Than Money. More Than Money. Their gift spoke to Paul and communicated something that was so, so much more precious than material things. Their gift spoke of the tremendous love, the honor, the respect, and the care they carried in the hearts for this apostle. In fact, Paul said to them that they were the only church, notice that, the only church who communicated with him in giving and receiving. He says that in Philippians 4.15, he says this, As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Wow. In fact, he said to the Corinthians, I robbed other churches so that I can come and minister to you. The Corinthians were not like that. No other church communicated with Paul the way this church communicated with him, not just in word, but also in deed. And so you need to understand that your giving communicates something much more than money or material things. Because your heart is in your giving. Your care is in your giving. And I believe that the greatest expression of love is giving. And you cannot dispute that because scripture says it. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave. Love gives. God loves and God gives. It communicates your love. It communicates your care and it communicates your appreciation towards those you give to. It communicates the honor, the esteem and the affection you hold in your heart for them. That is why when you give to a, a particular ministry or to a particular person, you do not easily walk away from those you give into. Because you're not giving just money, you're giving of your heart, you're giving of yourself. And that it speaks volumes. And that ministers actually more than the actual gift or the material thing you give them, because it ministers to the heart and to the soul of the person and not just to their physical needs. You know, Jesus said that where your treasure is, that is where your heart will be also. What was he saying? What do you mean where your treasure is, there will your heart be also? He was saying that where you choose to invest your treasure in, your heart will also be there, together with your treasure. That is why I said it's difficult to walk away. It's not impossible, but it's difficult to walk away from people in whom you invest your treasure or what is valuable to you. The reason being is that through your giving, you create and you cultivate a bond, a spiritual bond, an intimate bond between you and those you give to that becomes unbreakable and enduring through the test of time. You know, I want to share a testimony with you, and that comes from my uh, cousin's wife, Susan. Some of you have met her in Cyprus. She's a, our neighbor 
in Cyprus. She wrote, good morning, Andrew. Hope you and Cristala are doing well. I just needed to tell you something. I have been missing Cristala very much lately. I am trying to get over a bad flu for two weeks now, and I can't help thinking that when she was here, the beginning of the year, she made me that lovely chicken lemon soup. And within two days, I was better. Now, she says, I don't know if it was the soup or the love that the soup was made with that may be better so fast. I do believe it's the letter. Just shows what a kind act of love can do. <laughs> wow, what a testimony. In that bowl of soup, Cristela communicated something that was far more valuable than the actual soup. She said it was the love that accompanied the soup that made me better. Stop and think. Why was she missing Cristela? Did she miss the soup? Or did she miss the love and the affection? Because there was a bond of affection and love created between her and Cristela through a bowl of soup given to her in a time of her need. Wow. It was not the soup that healed her, she said, but the love that was communicated through it. And blessed are those who grasp this precious spiritual truth. God's word says that our gifts are a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. As our gifts are released, you need to understand that they disperse such a sweet-smelling aroma in God's nostrils that it brings great, great pleasure to his heart. Imagine, if you will, millions of people in the midst of all the stench and the sin that rises up from the wickedness of men, a sweet-smelling aroma is dispersed from the church's heart through the acts of giving, counteracting the ugliness and the stench which comes from the wickedness of sin and rebellion. So do not underestimate your giving because it ministers to the Lord. And the words that Paul uses as sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. The second reason Paul rejoiced over the gift he received, he says it was because the church's account was credited with an abundant return. Notice what he says. Not that I seek the gift. I don't say this, he says, because I'm seeking something from you. But I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Jesus said that no act of kindness, regardless of how small, goes unnoticed or unrewarded. In fact, in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 42, Jesus said the following, And whoever 
gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. You see, the Philippians see the gift as a seed. Their gift as a seed had the potential of a great harvest. And Paul was rejoicing because of the great harvest that was credited to the Philippians, that was coming into the Philippians' account. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 and 25, says the following. There is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. And the generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. And so you see, Paul was rejoicing for them because they caught a revelation that other churches have missed. Now, the Philippians knew Paul. They knew him intimately. In fact, he was the one who started the church there in Philippi. They knew his circumstances intimately. Notice what he says. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, that is, Philippi is in the region of Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. What does that tell us? Think about it. They knew Paul's journey of faith. They knew his struggles because they took a personal interest in the welfare of that apostle and made it their moral obligation and personal responsibility to see to it that this man's needs were met. They took it upon themselves. They said, this is what I need to do. This is my purpose. This is my assignment, and that is to meet the needs of this great apostle. They knew him. What did the Philippians, Philippians knew? They knew that no church communicated with Paul concerning giving and receiving. And I'm convinced, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that other churches and individuals who were ministered to by Paul were called or had an opportunity to support Paul, but they chose not to respond. You see, our choice is involved here. Our will is involved. And it's important for us to realize that. And because they knew this, they decided, they made up their minds to stand in the gap and see to it that the needs of this apostles of this apostle were met. Not just the apostle, but the team that he traveled with. They had a revelation of the principle which is recorded in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. Here is a spiritual principle. And Paul says, if we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? You know, not many believers have this revelation. 
You know, they expect to go to church, sit, listen to a sermon, and when the basket goes around, just drop something in it. They want to serve God, but they want to serve him on their own terms. There's no substance in that. There's no heart in that. That's why most believers giving, I believe, it's not working because the heart is not in it. And again, Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 6, here is another spiritual law. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Wow. Now, Luke also emphasizes this principle in his gospel in chapter 8, verses 1 through 13. And he speaks of certain women who followed Jesus because they were ministered to by him. And some of them had demons cast out of them. They followed and names them. He names, he says, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come out seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. Do you see that? They followed him, but they knew they had a particular ministry. And their ministry was to provide for the needs of the Lord Jesus and those who traveled with him. Why? Because they were ministered to by the Lord. They were blessed by his ministry. And so they responded in ministering to him from their substance. Now, here is the promise to all those who stand by the ministers of the gospel, the ministers whom they have a relationship with, the ministers whom they know intimately, the ministers whom they they have a covenant relationship with. Here is the promise. And Paul gives them that promise in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19. And this is what he says to them. And my God, the God whom I know, it doesn't say God shall say, he says, my God, the God whom I have walked with, the God whom I know, the God whom I have experienced, the God who has delivered me from all my enemies and who provided for all my needs, this God, my God, shall supply all your need, not according to your job, not according to your gifts or talents, not according to your employer's or company's abilities, but he will supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. What a promise. What a promise, folks. Open your heart wide. Receive this promise. You who have been consistently giving, you who have been consistently supplying the needs of this ministry, you who have been standing in the gap to support us and to support this ministry, receive this promise from God the Father. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And please note that this promise that many believers grab out of context and make it for themselves or receive it or apply it does not apply to them. This promise was not given to everyone 
he wrote to, but only to the church in Philippi who supported him financially. He was saying to them, because you took care of my needs, my God will supply your every need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You know, many years ago, the Lord spoke a word to me that has been so true and experienced that all my life as a minister of the gospel. He said, you take care of my house, you love my people, you teach my people. He said, I will take care of your house. And that's what God is saying to you today. If you will see to it that the house of God, the ministry of God, the ministers of God, if you see to it that you take care of God's house, God's people, God's ministry, God gives you a promise that he will take care of your house and your children and your children's children. And I have seen that promise come to pass over 43 years. I have never lacked. I have never been without. I have been able to do whatever God commanded me to do and beyond. I have been able to live and, and not in lack, but in abundance. God brought me to a place where I am, I am comfortable, not only to meet my own needs and my families, but to take care of others too, as the Lord leads me. And I owe it all to the grace of God. And if you take care of God's house, he promises he will take care of your house. And in conclusion, I want to read something uh, from the book of Haggai, chapter 1. And I'm going to read verse 6, and then we're going to read 9 through to 11. And I want to show you the reverse here that's happened to these people. Because these people did not take care of God's house, no matter what they did, they could not prosper. And listen to what he says to them. You have sown much and you bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put it into a bag with holes. <laughs> you look for much, but indeed it came in too little. And when you brought it home, God says, I blew it all away. Why, says the Lord of hosts. You see, some believers are experiencing that. Before they bring the paycheck home, it's gone. Nowhere to be found. It's like they put it into a sack full of holes. He says, now, because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house, Therefore, the heavens above you withhold the dew and the earth withholds its fruit. For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains, on the grain and the new wine and the oil, on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock and on all the labor of your hands. Here you see, God is communicating a principle that we need to grasp if we desire to walk with God on this journey of faith and love, and the principle is this, if we make it our personal responsibility to see to it that God's house, which is his church, is taken care of financially as well as spiritually, God will see to it that our personal houses, that our personal business, 
that the works of our hands not only will be taken care of, and our every need will be met according to his riches in glory, but everything we touch will be blessed. Because we understand the value of covenant relationship of giving and receiving, of giving and receiving, of giving and receiving, of sowing and reaping. My friends, I, um, I poured my heart into this teaching today and I became a little vulnerable and, and personal, but I felt I needed to share this with you, that the love and the care and the concern that exists between us is precious. And I value it so much. I wish I could sit with every single one of you tomorrow and have lunch. And have a meal together. And I wish that you were so close that I could visit you regularly. Unfortunately, some of you are so far away that it's literally impossible to do that. But I'm so glad for technology that I can see your face, I can hear your voice, and I can communicate to you words of life and words of blessing. And so today I bless you. I bless the work of your hands. I bless your giving. I bless the seeds that you have sown and continually sow into this ministry that gives us a voice of authority that releases our hands to embrace and to love people and to devote ourselves to the ministry of the word and to prayer without having the responsibility of going out there and laboring eight to ten hours a day and sweating in order to bring food on our table. We have time, and time is a very precious resource. And what you're doing with your giving, you're giving us time. And time equals life, that we have this time to invest in studying the Word, to invest in prayer, to receive from God truths and revelation knowledge and wisdom and knowledge and understanding so that we can communicate it to you and as you receive it and apply it in your lives you grow you develop you prosper in every sphere of life if a minister doesn't have the time to do that he will stand behind the pulpit on sunday and he will be dry as anything and, you know, I've been to some churches and I know some churches, you know, ministers are stone dry. Why? Because they hold down a job eight to ten hours because their people are not supporting them. They haven't learned this principle that I'm sharing with you. So they have to go out, hold down a job and then carve a little bit of time in order to study the word. And that God is not pleased with that. Amen. But he's pleased with you. And I want to pronounce the blessing of the Lord on you as we pray. Can we do that? Father, I want to thank you for these precious, precious partners. And Lord, I cannot help but feel the same way that Paul felt for his brothers and sisters in Philippi. When he communicated such love, such concern, such compassion towards them because they held a very special place in his heart. 
And they had a, such a special place in their hearts for this apostle. Thank you for this covenant relationship that we share. And I bless you for each and every one of my partners, of my brothers and sisters, of my spiritual offspring, sons and daughters all over the world. I pronounce the blessing of the Father upon them, upon their families, upon their children, upon their grandchildren. I pronounce the blessing of the Father upon the work of the hands. And I decree and declare in the name of Jesus and with the authority of the word of God that their work will prosper. Their hands, whatever they touch, will be blessed and they will prosper in whatever and whatsoever they set their hands to. And I decree that over them in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.